0: This morning for our sermon and for our meditation on this Christmas morning, we will turn to the very beginning of the Gospel according to St. John and begin our reading at the first verse. And as is our custom, I would invite you to rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. In the beginning There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, of grace and truth. So far, our sermon text. And we join to sing the exordium hymn Rejoice, Rejoice, this happy morn. Please remain standing. <clears throat>
1: Rejoice, rejoice this happy morn, a Savior unto us is born, the Christ the Lord of glory is Lord. Angels from on high proclaim and sing redemption's story. My soul extol God's great favor, bless him ever for salvation, give him praise and adoration.
0: And we pray. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> Fellow redeemed, fellow rejoicing Christians this Christmas morning. Our Christmas hymns are nostalgic. I think many of us grew up singing them. They can be fun to sing with family and friends. But I think it's easy to forget sometimes what they're really saying. Those carols are packed with doctrine, with teaching about Jesus. The deepest and most mysterious doctrine about the person of Christ is called the incarnation, which means that Jesus, that in Jesus, God took on human flesh and became one of us, a human being, a real human being. That doctrine seems to be the carol writer's favorite. Really, it's, it's what our Christmas celebration is all about today and every year. Listen to, the, to these two verses from O Come All Ye Faithful that we sang at the beginning of the service. God from true God and light from light eternal. Born of a virgin, to earth he comes. Only begotten son of the Father. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Singing, O come all ye faithful, is like confessing the Nicene Creed. When we sing that, we are saying that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are recognizing that Jesus is true God and true man. When we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, It says, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with us to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Just line that up with the the Nicene Creed, which says, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit, and the Virgin Mary and became fully human. Think about what that means. Think of what it meant for Jesus. I mean, it would be like us waking up one day and deciding, well, I think it's time for me to become a bacterium or an earthworm, except the the difference is so much greater for Jesus. What Jesus actually did is so much more than that. God, the infinite God, he can create a human being. You and I can't create even a bacterium, let alone an earthworm. The highest, most holy, becomes the lowest, the most lowly. He steps out of eternity into the virgin's womb, into our history, into Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, and then to that manger bed. From Luke, we've heard Joseph's point of view and what Mary pondered in her heart. We considered that last night. This morning, we hear from the Apostle John the Christmas story, but from God's point of view, the opening words of his gospel, make us think immediately of Genesis, and that's no coincidence. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus was not just a baby in that nativity scene that we picture so often. And that day of his birth wasn't the beginning of his life the same way that your birthday and mine is the beginning of our lives. Jesus was in the beginning. That's a loaded phrase to the Hebrews and the Greeks. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Think about how important that is. God is the creator. He's the one who created everything from nothing. That's what was there before the creation. Nothing except God. So what does that make Jesus? He's truly God. Because all things were made through him. He's the word. He was the voice that spoke. Let there be. But John calls him the word here for maybe a little bit different reason. Because Jesus is the way that God tells us about himself, who he is, what he wants, what he's like. God had John write that down for us so that we would know the meaning of something else he said. God is love. But God did more than just speak and write it down to show us his love Excuse me, God gave us His Son. He gave Himself as a sacrifice for sinners like you and me. In Jesus, God expresses Himself completely, more than with ink and paper. Jesus is the living Word. He proclaims God's love with power. In Jesus, we see God's love in action. Every word and every deed Jesus did tells us about God's love. When he instructs us, when he corrects us, when he rebukes us and forgives us in his word, he's the voice of God speaking to us. When he calls us to follow him in faith and discipleship, he is the voice of God speaking to us. When we see him on the cross, Shouldering the burden of all of our sins and suffering for them to the point of death. When we hear him cry out, it is finished. And he lays down his life for his friends. We see the love of God at its highest, in its most pure form. John says, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. I suppose you could say that any living, breathing person has life in him, but John isn't writing about that kind of life. The Greek language has two words for life. One of them is bios, living, breathing life. That's where we get the word biology from. But the word that John uses here is zoe. That kind of life means life with energy, life with power. And when John says in him was zoe, in him was life, he's talking about that energetic, powerful life, that active life of Jesus. Remember God's warning to Adam and Eve. He said, in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, You shall surely die. They ate of that fruit. They sinned against God, but they didn't fall over dead the minute they ate the fruit. They didn't lose their bios. They lost their zoe. They didn't lose their biological life, but their spiritual life. They were no longer united with the source of that life, who is God. Jesus pictured this connection to, to this kind of life, the zoe, when he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's why John says in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The way John uses the words life and light, they're almost synonyms for him right here God wants us to be connected to him and have life and light he wants us to walk in that light he wants us to live in that energy of his so that he sent Jesus to give us that life and light that's why we sing life and light to all he brings risen with healing on his wings the word became flesh he says in verse 14, and made his dwelling among us. This is the reason why God became fully a human being for us, a real human being. He made his dwelling among us. Literally, what that is in Greek is he set up his tent among us, but we wouldn't capture that understanding of the picture there like the Greeks and the Hebrews did. In the book of Exodus, God set up his tabernacle, this this tent, where they would worship him right in the middle of the Israelite camp as they moved about and as God traveled with his people. But Jesus, he didn't just live among them and walk among them in that sense. He became a human being. He took on human flesh. He still has that human flesh. He didn't leave it behind at the ascension when he went back to heaven. Jesus is still a human being. And that means he knows the troubles that you face. He sympathizes with you in everything that happens to you. But we might wonder, how can the infinite God take on finite human flesh? How can a virgin conceive and bear a son? And God tells tells us the answer to this in Luke chapter 1, where he writes, nothing is impossible with God. This is the real wonder of Christmas. We can't grasp it fully. John said, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Remember what John had seen before he wrote this. John the disciple saw Jesus feed thousands of people on that hillside with a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. He saw Jesus shout into the grave of his friend Lazarus, Lazarus come out, and Lazarus got up and stumbled out of that tomb, still wrapped in his burial shroud. Easter morning, John was there. Easter evening, he saw Jesus come into that locked room where his disciples were and and say, peace be with you. A week later, when Thomas was there, Jesus repeated that and showed his wounds to them so that they would know he truly is who he says he is. That first Christmas was important because it was the beginning of this life and work of our God among us. God showed his glory through Jesus Christ. You and I have seen that glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. God shows that glory to you the glory of his love in the forgiveness of sins. That's the expression of his heart, the revelation of what is truly in God that drives him, his love for us. God has given you and me more than a second chance. He doesn't say, you've abused my patience for the last time. Instead, he comes again and again to us because of Christ. And he says, your sins are forgiven by the blood of my Son. He replaces fear with faith. We don't need to be slaves anymore to it. Because we have a loving Father who will give us all things. You might receive a lot of presents on Christmas Day. Maybe not so many anymore, but know this, you have received the greatest gift ever given. Your Savior. God loves you. He's done this for you. He did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all. In the manger, you see a baby, but look more closely. Look with the eyes of faith. Grab that scroll of Isaiah, or if you're a modern-day person, the book of Isaiah in your Bible, and think about what he says in chapter 9. God says he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace this child that we're celebrating today is wonderful counselor this child is the mighty god this child is the everlasting father the prince of peace this is the real wonder of christmas not all the lights and the glitter and all the stuff that we do the meaning the importance for our lives, our hope of salvation, it's all in the Christ child. May God grant you to see by faith the height and the depth of his love for you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Christ is born. He is your Savior and mine. Let us rejoice. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto everlasting life. Amen.